Got Your Ears On is brought to you by Tactical Legion 9. All right, everybody. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Got Your Ears On. Guido here along with Scoop and Johnson. Guido, do you remember mid last season when we said if this keeps going... You might see like a malaise set into the football program. Well, I think we have pulled up a chair. You know that meme where the guy pulls up his camp, he unfolds the camping chair and he sits down. I think we have a front row seat to the malaise right now. Johnson, do you remember last week when I said Casey Legg was the best player on the team? I remember. Well, you had reason to do so. I mean, in fairness to you. How could you have known? To me. Yeah, who knew? Who would have known? Who would have known? Anyways, lace is out. Uh, yes, guys. So tough, uh, tough week. Kind of what maybe we all expected. K State beats WVU forty-eight to thirty-one. I have to tell you guys, and this is a very selfish comment here for me. I was kind of upset this wasn't the team that put 50 on WVU. I, I'm waiting for that team. There's got to be a team out there, right, Scoot? That's going to put 50 up on WVU. Well, that might come next week. Uh, <laughs> at Oklahoma State, that doesn't feel good. Um, we'll, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, but uh, down a player, maybe more at that point. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, could could be interesting. But Guido, you had to feel good on your odds for a 50-burger after the first quarter in this game. I mean, we to your to your point, I thought we were sailing easily on past 50 at the rate we were after 15 minutes in this game. Yeah, I have to tell you, WVU loses 41 48-31 and after the first quarter of this game, I really thought the final score was going to be like 92-89. Like <laughs> right. it was crazy. It was nuts, Johnson. Yeah, I mean, Garrett Green starts, he gets off to a, a rough start, but then Scoot, I think credit to him, instead of folding up, he actually like kind of righted the ship, stepped back in there. He throws a terrific pass to Sam James. We're back on the board. And then Malachi Ruffin goes for a pick six. And it's like, well, it's not pretty, but we're back in this game. Yeah, he's I think what we've come to to know about Garrett is he's got some fight in him. Uh, some of the things I've seen on Twitter. Uh, there was some. I saw some X-rays where within his chest cavity there was a small dog. Oh, got that dog so in people, it. Yes. Yeah, people I say saw he that. got that yeah. dog in yeah, him. Yeah, right. So I guess he's got a little bit of that dog in him. So he's he's got some he's got some fire. One one thing that I don't think he's going to do is just roll over and and give up. So that's that's the one good thing you've got. Not to say that JT would, but I think JT's personality is such like he doesn't get excitable about anything garrett is like complete opposite of that i think it was interesting garrett green you know he, and it, it was a good game like listen the 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 pick six at the beginning you know that i i really thought he threw that pick six and i was like in the first whatever his first series like his first pass of the game and i was like oh gosh this is this is gonna be terrible yeah he bounced back like he came back next series he played great i mean he finished the game 15 for 27 204 yards three td passes interestingly enough guys all to Sam James. All to Sam and James. None, and, and Bryce Ford Wheaton was, BFW was like silent in the game. And and we texted about it during the game. It's like, it's interesting how these quarterbacks just kind of like gravitate to one guy, Scooty. Well, I, you've got to believe that when they're in practice, 
that a lot of those reps that Garrett is working with Sam James, right? You probably had JT throwing to Bryce Ford Wheaton. You probably had Garrett throwing a lot of his stuff to Sam James uh, on the practice field. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Um, and maybe it's, you know, maybe they're, they're buddies off the field and he's thinking, you know what, Sam, I know you've kind of had a, an up and down go of it here. I'm going to make things right and get you the ball. Well, and interestingly enough, Johnson, Cortez Brom was like Bram, Brom, Braham. whatever was Bram was the second leading uh, receiver on the team. He's a guy we haven't heard from all season. I mean, I think that he caught a couple of passes in the Towson game, like late in the game. He had like 60 yards in that game. But other than that, he's had like one catch, if that, every game. And now you see Garrett Green kind of gravitate towards him in this game. Yeah, and I think it was also, like, just to go back to what you guys were talking about with, you know, favorite targets and stuff, technically, I mean, the box score lists BFW with six targets, but he only caught two passes for 12 yards. So you're right. It felt like he was just no factor in this game. And I thought with, with Bram, it was nice to see – you know, actually, Garrett kind of spread the ball around. I mean, Sam James got the the majority of the yards, but, you know, uh, Bram with four receptions, he even worked in, you know, uh, stuff to like, I think Jeremiah Aaron had a had a catch, stuff like that. So, you know, some other names saw the field in that game, too. I, I think it's weird, though, with Sam James. I have it in the show notes. Our friend Jake Lance over at Smoking Musket. Uh, mentioned it in his article this week. But if you go back and look at Sam James, I think he goes over 100 yards receiving his freshman year. And this game is, I think, now only the second time, if I'm remembering correctly, that he's gone over 100 yards. And that just seems so weird. Right. You know, like bookends on a career. Uh, it it, it kind of makes me sad, Scoot, because it, this is a guy that clearly has talent, speed. Uh, he looked great in this game. And it's just weird to think that He's now going to be, you know, heading out the door and really it feels like it feels like some opportunity lost. And I say that, by the way, we'll get to it later on. But one interesting thing for Sam, he has one year of eligibility left, but I think it was uh, it was mentioned on Twitter that someone interviewed Sam about, you know, senior day and everything. And he said it felt like, quote, a good relationship coming to an end. So for all the transfer portal talk, that doesn't yeah. feel like it bodes well to see Sam back in the fold next year. I don't want to speculate too hard, but you would think comments would sound differently if he was planning on coming back. Well, I think, guys, and Scooty, we should we should get into it. Like, it was a loss, right? At the end of the day, there were some positive things from Garrett Green and some other players, but the defense did what the defense have been has been doing. I mean, there were guys that were wide open. There were points that were scored. Continues down the same path we've been talking about all season. Neil Brown loses another game pretty much. I mean, we texted about it over and over during and before and after the game. Like, this was – I don't know how you don't look at this and say this isn't the nail in Neil Brown's coffin at WVU, Scooty. Yeah, it certainly feels that way. And I think what we're starting to see too now is um, – some of the players start to uh, cover themselves. Yeah, CYA is is what they say. They're starting to now look around and maybe maybe see if whoever recruited them before is still interested, or if there's any other new possibilities. We saw that with um, Charles Woods' announcement. Uh, there's a lot of hullabaloo around 
CJ Donaldson and how like which is crazy to me, but like you know, ten years ago, nobody was checking to see if a player mentioned a school in their bio of their social media. But now, because he's taken all mentions of WVU out of his Instagram and Twitter and all that, now people are speculating that he might be on his way out. Um, I think Sam James, no doubt, is probably not going to finish his career. He'll play another year somewhere else. And I think you're going to see some more of that because these kids are not uh, blind to the fact that things are not going well. There's they're checking their social medias. Uh, Neil Brown might not be, but they are. And they know people are fired up. They know that there's a lot of talk. The athletic director is gone. So they know that, hey, I, things are not going to be the same next year. And whoever comes in may not like me. Well, what do you make, Guido, of, you know, before this game even starts, we're seeing Charles Woods uh, appear to announce on Twitter that he's heading for the transfer portal. Now I, I've kind of grown numb. I, I wanted to get your opinion on this. Cause we, I mean, like I feel like I've grown a bit numb to the whole transfer portal thing. Like if you're going to go, okay. I mean, if you don't want to be here, I, there's no reason in fighting you to stay. But I, I think on a day when it's senior day, uh, you know, you've got people that are going to run out onto the field for the last time that you've been playing with. And I know Charles Woods has had a weird season, right? Like, let's not make it too dramatic. But I thought right. the timing just of this felt like, was there, why not, uh, uh, we've talked about this before, by the way, like, why not just, you don't have to announce. Like, there's no, the NCAA, like, if you go to uh, the steps you have to take to enter the transfer portal, Step one does not say go to Twitter. Step two, uh, write in your notes app on your iPhone a right. heartfelt message. Step three, post. Step four, you're now officially in the NCAA train. Like, you don't have to do any of that. So, my thought when I saw that was just go in the transfer portal. Like, you know, why? Why announce? Why announce before? Like literally, what an hour before this game or something? It was weird yeah. to me. Didn't didn't you think that was just weird? I mean, I don't. I, first of all, the notes app thing. <laughs> the notes app thing blows my mind. It's a weird mind. evolution of this it's, process, isn't it? It's right. like if you didn't Aren't know there any, better ways. If, if you didn't know any better, you would think the NCAA officially sponsors the notes <laughs> app or something. You know, like. I would. I agree. I like the notes app thing is weird, but yeah. I mean, I think it is weird. Like overall, like it's tough for WVU. It's tough for a guy like Charles Woods, who, I, I mean, I thought was a good fit for us, Johnson. I thought he for from a fan's perspective, from you know WVU perspective, he was a good fit in the program, you know. And now you have another guy leaving, and and I, and 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 then you know the post game press conference with Neil Brown saying something. To the fact of like, oh, I haven't talked to him in two weeks right. or something like I that. I heard he put, quote, I heard he put something on social media. Uh, he shut it down. Like, I think he said, I try to stick up for these kids, but he shut it down. I, I tried to protect them. That's what he said. Yeah, right. So that was weird. I, I think it's, I think it's odd that. You know, you've now, you know, that comment makes it obviously seem like you lost a relationship altogether with a player that you'd rather retain. And then later through the grapevine on Twitter, it appears he has like some banter with Nick Troy fortune. Who's already at uh, UT San Antonio, you know, they're kind of saying to each other, like, Hey, BC and you soon type of thing. So it looks like that's where he's heading. And that just feels weird too. 
And I mean, you add that along with the CJ Donaldson, you know, all of that is just very much like where where have we lost the program? The 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 issue, the problem is deeper than than we think. And and here's where it starts, guys. And like, okay, so that that was the game. We talked about the game. We lost the game. Here's where it starts. I think that us as WVU fans and and people who care about the program, we need to be prepared for this is a complete teardown, right? Like nothing next year looks the same as this year. And I saw there were some people out on Twitter. There were there were some other podcasters and YouTubers, whatever you want to call them, that are like, oh, well, you got to keep one person on staff and you got to keep something together. I think it's over. Like I think you got to tear it down, Johnson. Yeah, no, you don't. You you don't have to keep any of this. <laughs> you don't have to keep. So, like, what do you want to keep? Right. So, Scoot, let me let me set the stage for you, and then I want your opinion on this. So, I see a lot on Twitter of like, well, how long is it? Quote, how long is it going to take to rebuild? If you transition from this coach, and I was thinking about this before you say anything. I was thinking about this, like, if you uh, if you lived in a in a mansion. If you lived in a tall, like a big, let's say you have a three-story, uh, multiple car garage uh, abode that you stay in, does. And yeah. like 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 you similar. do, Scoot, yeah. as yeah. as one does if you're in your yeah, position, your your station, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and let's say uh, all the doors creaked and there, you know, or whatever, you had some fascination with an issue in the house and you decide, you know what, we're tearing the whole thing down and we're going to rebuild it. And someone came up to you and they said, well, you know, that feels like a rash decision. How long is it going to take you to rebuild this? If you tear it all down, you would say a while because it was a big, significant thing. Okay. Conversely, if you were living in a tent after four years at base camp and you were like, I don't like the zipper flap on this tent. I'm going to tear it all down. And someone came up to you and they were like, well, hold on a minute. Before you tear this all down, how long is it going to take you to rebuild it? Well, not long. Actually, I've got a better tent in the trunk of my car. We can go ahead and set up and we're already right there winning four to five games again. So don't you feel like this argument of like, how long is it going to take to rebuild? Uh, not long or at all. Well, like there, you haven't built anything. No, right, there is no rebuild, right? So there's no rebuild. And going along with your house teardown analogy, I've also read on Twitter uh, and, and seen that some of the people are like, well, I think the whole staff needs to go, except let's keep Chad Scott. So that would be like tearing your house down. But I want, I'm going to tear the whole thing down to the studs, down to the ground. But I'm going to keep the laundry room. Like, I think I need to keep that laundry room the same. Exact yeah, same. Yeah, no offense. No offense to Chad Scott. I think no, people are saying, so Chad, so running backs coach, running back has been a strength. Like, I don't. I, like, I'm not trying to be, you know, just, uh, you know, snide to like a Chad Scott or something. But in my reaction to that is, what does that do for Chad Scott, though? Like, why would you want to be to me? It does. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense because you're going to have a lot of people hit the transfer portal anyway. I would just go ahead and look to start anew, start and, fresh. And who's to say that this new coach and Chad Scott are going to have the same kind of coaching philosophies, right? The same kind of you know schemes and, and strategies in mind. Uh, you know, maybe Chad Scott likes a shifty, um, almost like a scat back type running back, but the next guy likes uh, a heavy fullback. You know, I don't. You, know, you just never know. So it's kind of crazy that we would keep one positional coach, 
to somehow, I don't know, keep some recruits in line, which we don't have a ton of running back recruits, and I'm sure they recruit other positions. But, like, what are we doing? Like, why would we do that? Well, I think that you you look at, like, a guy like Mike Joseph, who's strength and conditioning coach, he has stayed with the program through, what, uh, since Rodriguez at this point. Yeah, he's a long time. He came in yeah. with Stewart, I yeah, think. He- because Barwis uh, left, Barwis yeah. left to oh, go. Yeah. Barwis oh, yeah. left. You're, you're right. right. I think you're right. Yeah, you're I think right. He came, yeah, Barwis left, and I think he came in after Barwis. Right. But I mean, he stayed through. But I agree with you. Like from a from a at least from a position. Maybe maybe there's a position coach or two that stay. But I think other than that, you're, you're clear in the deck. And I mean, you look at Neil Brown, and and it's unfortunate that this is the path that's gone. Because and here's the thing: we keep saying every week. He's a great guy. He seems like a nice guy. I I would you know he probably has great barbecues. Well, like I mean, at he's this fun point to hang now, out with in the backyard. I, some of those are kind of a distant memory, right? Like I don't remember what we did with hillbilly golf. But Neil Brown uh, and and Justin Evan Ear King forty three on Twitter posted this. Neil Brown will go down as the first WVU coach to to not have a ranked team since Gene. Corum, I'm sure you know him, Scooty. Well, probably from uh, Bluff the Fluffs, some sort of ridiculous question. <laughs> well, yes. early 60s First football, coach since right? Early 60s, yeah, yeah right. Er, 60 to 65. So first coach not to, not to get WVU ranked since the mid-60s. I mean, even the Signetti years, Signetti had the team ranked at like 17 at one point in the, in the late 70s. Like every coach – and he hasn't had him ranked. So, and he hasn't won what, Scooty? What Three hasn't he row. done? We're not even close. Like, Three it's in not going to happen. Well, and can we just talk, Guido? I th- I put out a tweet during the game. I thought, you know, Scoot, the tired take is that he'll win three in a row. The wired take is that they'll have three offensive penalties on three straight snaps. To me, Guido, I'd like to refer <laughs> to that as the kneel from now on. The to kneel. me, that's the like kneel. like the trifecta. They had so Chris Anderson summed it up. He said it's uh, it's still first down, but the Mountaineers had holding, illegal shift, and false start on three. Significant, like three consecutive snaps. That was just I, watching the game. You were like, "Wow, Neil's going full Neil right now." What is he if, not? What if we can talk to our friends at Tudors and come up with a sandwich called the oh, Neil? That's what would be in it. Three though? eggs because you've just laid three eggs <laughs> in the biscuit. That's great. That's, that's awesome. terrific. I love just that. three eggs. Three eggs in a biscuit. Yeah, three eggs in a biscuit. The Neil. I don't know, guys. I mean. You know, I think obviously in the position that WVU at the institution is in right now, Neil Brown obviously coaching next week against Oklahoma State. It you know, bowl contention is out at this point. I mean, I I guess you know there is that one in a million chance that if they do beat Oklahoma State next week that they could get that you know five win bowl offer, but I doubt they will. Um, I just wonder at this point, like, all right. The WV this is where my this is where I'm concerned, Johnson. WVU has said that they are going to replace Shane Lyons, athletic director. They're gonna they're gonna fill that role in the next three to four weeks. That is for that position extremely, extremely quick to fill that role. So now we're in a position where we're working quickly, hastily to fill a position. We know that that whoever they hire for an AD is not going to want to take on Neil Brown as a, you know, a, a coach for the football program. 
I just worry that this is all coming to this like fright, frightening confluence of like they're going to rush to get an AD that's not going to be great. Then we're going to get stuck with a coach that's not going to be great. And we're back into being the malaise, you know, program that we've become. Well, I, I'm not sure I, I feel the same way, Guido, because I think I have this feeling that before you let Shane Lyons go, you already have a list of people in mind and you already have some connection, maybe not a lot, because I don't know how much of that you can do with an acting AD still in place, but I feel like you've already got a plan for that. And then I think as far as the other, so I don't totally disagree with you on the AD part because people can always say no, you know, like if you're going after a terrific AD, maybe that guy's in a position that he, he already likes, you know, like, uh, Pat white, um, he, he went out on Twitter this week and he said he was Matt Borman would get the job. Uh, if you look at his setup, I think he's currently head of the fundraising arm of uh, LSU. You know, so, you know, these people are already, they're successful. They're in good positions. Obviously, they could say no, but I think this is going to be attractive uh, for people around college football. And I think to jump ahead, Guido, to the second the second part of your what you were saying, I think regardless, I feel like after Oklahoma State, why would you not just go ahead and cut ties with Neil Brown? I mean, even if a, even if it's still Alsop in place, why would you not go ahead and cut ties? Like if, you know, go ahead and, and rip the bandaid off, go ahead and say you're hiring for a new coach, go ahead and let players start to make their decisions instead of to me running the timeline way out into like through bowl season and stuff, you know, before you even make that decision, like go ahead and make that decision. But Scooty, is there a worry? Like if you do that, is there a worry from a recruitment standpoint? Like if you look at these kids that are coming into the program that like, all right, now you don't have an AD, you don't have a head coach or you have a head coach that is, you know, a lame duck. Like it hurts the recruiting standpoint of the program. Well, what I think they need to do, if you're looking at a timeline, right? Ideally, we have an athletic director in place maybe by the first week of December, right? Then we give that person another three to four weeks to get a head coach in place. The catch is there's a February signing day, right? So we want to try to get something in place before then. And the reason why I think that is uh, if you hire your coach, let's say March, well, that's already passed. I don't know that um, like a Rodney Gallagher is going to stay on board if he's not really sure who the coach is going to be if we've already fired Neil Brown. So I think I think it's possible, thinking about this, that they keep Neil Brown intact until the new athletic director is there, kind of what we've been led to believe is going to happen. Right. I'm thinking potentially – the beginning of, uh, you know, the beginning of December, we have that person. That person may in turn make a quick decision on, you know, I don't think it's going to take long for him to look at Neil Brown's resume and say, this isn't working. Or as some people I know say, that dog ain't going to hunt. <laughs> right. So he cuts ties with Neil Brown with the idea that, you know, he's probably got something in mind. You're not going to step into this position and not realize that the football thing is an issue walking into this. So you're probably in the back of your mind already starting to think, okay, who would I like to see in place here? And then you, I don't think you're going to reach out necessarily ahead of time, but in the back of your mind, you've probably got a small list of people you'd like to 
to at least talk to about the position. Yeah, and I think that all sounds practical. I, I don't disagree with that timeline, Scoot, and I, that's probably prudent. That's probably the thing. they Like you said, they've already sort of made that known as what they expect the timeline to be. I'm just saying for the Nico Martials and, and you know, you you mentioned some other folks that might be contemplating stuff. I, I think, you know, you're already dead staff walking, right? So like, that's fine. If that ends up being the timeline, I just don't see it. Is it really necessary to let it play out that way is all I'm, or I would just make the argument that like, right. you have to know these guys are gone anyway. So like, what's the, even if they're there through December or something, I don't see the big deal personally. Well, and I think with the transfer portal now anyways, Johnson, I think it's, it's, you know, why even worry about it? Because you're going to spend, I know there's a February signing day, but you're going to spend half of March, if not all of March, getting those transfers to come back in from other programs. I totally agree. I totally agree. That's what you're going to be doing. Right. And that's like the world of college football. Now, what do you, like, here's the one I want to hit you guys with is like, uh, you know, again, we're big out there on Twitter. Who knows for how long? Because, you know, Twitter's got its own issues. But uh, one of the things that we've seen a lot out there in WVU, Facebook, and Twitter world is that people are like throwing out all these like former WVU player names. You've seen, well, you've seen the bring back the Oliver Luck. You've seen a lot of like player. You've seen the Mike Gansky. I, I did it. I, did I like Mike it. Gansky, yeah, I like it. You've seen the Mike Gansey uh, tweets out there. You've seen all of these things that talk about these former players. But like at the end of the day, is that what we really need? Like, is that what we want? I don't know if it's what we need, but I think it goes to show that there's to me. I think it's people just saying, look, there's a wealth of WVU tie in talent out there that would serve well. And I think, you know, if you talk to a lot of old heads, Scoot, it, I think people also kind of think it needs to be someone that really wants to be in Morgantown. Morgantown's not the easiest place to be. WVU people are, you know, they they carry a certain tune. They carry the weight of the state. They put a lot of pressure on people in the fan base, you know, to carry, you know, everyone's uh, sports fandom in the state. So I think people start to do that because they feel like, hey, let's get one of our guys in place and then they really want to be here. We don't have to, in addition to all the worries about, is he doing a great job? We also don't have whatever percentage component is, you know, does he really want to be here? Does he really want to be in Morgantown? Well, what I think it does is by having former players be a lot more vocal, I think what it's doing is it's speaking to the fact that I feel like a lot of them don't feel like they're valued once they leave. I, I think a lot of them feel like, West Virginia, for whatever reason, has not, I want to say, shut the door on them, but isn't as welcoming as maybe some other program. I'll take Auburn, for example, right? Auburn is currently being coached by Cadillac Williams. Cadillac Williams was a player at Auburn, right? So there's a connection there. If you look at our staff, we don't really have that. I mean, we had Jamel Adai at one point, but that's kind of it. We don't have a, a large number of former players floating around on the sideline. And I, you know, if you recall when um, we were looking to hire a wide receivers coach a while back, people were beating the bushes for Stedman Bailey. Well, we didn't even look that direction. Right. Um, when we were hiring Neil Brown in the past, a lot of players were talking up Tony Gibson, a former play. So there was a lot of people that feel like the former players aren't, being welcomed back. You know, we talk about Pat McAfee and how he's 
really not had much to do with the school since he left. Um, you know, Bruce Irvin donated a lot of money once he, you know, kind of established himself in the NFL. I don't know that he's had a lot of input here lately. Uh, I, you know, I remember seeing Pac-Man Jones came in this past summer, but Pac-Man Jones also has Chris Henry's son, who's a recruit. So I don't know how much of that was WVU saying, Hey, Pac-Man, we'd like you to come back and hang out at the school. Or is it, Hey, Pac-Man, we'd like you to come back and hang out at the school and bring Chris Henry's son with you, please. So there's a lot of um, rumbling and grumbling. Like, you know, not that I, all of these guys want to be coaches, but surely you would try to find some guys that had previous success, bring them, have them hanging around, kind of like what Coach Huggins does, and be a positive influence on the team that you have. Especially now, where the team needs it. And Johnson, I think it's a, I think it's a big West Virginian thing. Like we, as W, as West Virginians, like right, like growing up in the state, like in, in Scooty. I know you're from, you know, New York's frying pan hat, and has transplanted yourself to West Virginia. But like we, as West Virginians, fall in love with these these players, right? Like, I would we, argue <laughs> that I've lived here longer than you guys. Maybe, have. maybe that might be a truth. That might be a fact. But we fall in love with these players, and like there are people in West Virginia. I mean, like you, the three of us, we'd be like Brett Solheim would be great for the assistant for the athletic director. We'd love to see Brett Solheim as the athletic because we love the person, right? We fall in love with the person and Mike Gansey, I know he's had a great career outside of WVU and, and working in professional basketball. I'm not sure it's the right fit. And so at the end of the day, you look at somebody, you know, you look at somebody like Matt Borman, or you look at somebody like Whit Babcock, you look at these guys that are professional athletic directors at the end of the day, they may not be the name that we all know, but they are probably the people that we want in that position. Yeah, and I think at at the end of the discussion, Guido, like everyone we've just been talking around, even if it is like a Johnny West, Mike Gansey, or one of the names you just threw out, to me, I think there's a long enough list of people you'd still like. I'd love to have any of that talent. So I don't know that you can really go terribly wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, and so I, I'm confident that the athletic director position, we're going to be, we're going to be in good shape uh, with the names I've seen so far. And I'm excited to see them get, you know, someone get the chance. What's interesting to note is that WVU did hire the same uh, headhunting, so quote unquote agency that hired big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark. And that was kind of seen as a, I don't want to say a surprise hire, but kind of a, a revolutionary, you know, he, he didn't really have a, a great deal of background in sports. So could be something like that. I know that they're probably going to go for somebody younger than we expect. Because mm -hmm. I think that with the nil and the growing changes in realignment and, and all that kind of stuff going on in college athletics, I think it's going to be somebody younger than than what we think right now off the top of our heads. And that may, may be a name that surprises us, but I think it's going to be somebody that is seen as innovative, which is also interesting that, that we've got what the director for strategic initiatives and innovation or whatever his title is. So interesting that he's the one that's been tabbed as the guy to kind of oversee things in the short term. So I think it's going to be somebody that's, I don't say cutting edge, because I think that's maybe a bit strong, but Something that's not expected. But wouldn't you guys think like, you know, this is if if I'm if I'm you know part of the board of trustees, if I'm part of the MAC, if I'm if I'm E. Gordon Gee, like this hire 
for athletic director might be one of the most important hires for this position in a long time, like in a very long time, because you're talking about the football programs in the shambles. Conference realignment is still up in the air. I mean, there's still a chance that we don't stay in the Big 12 and that, you know, a bunch of other shoes drop between now and whenever. And on top of that, you're talking about this most probably and most importantly, this this athletic director is going to have to replace a Hall of Fame coach in basketball at WVU. Yeah, in the in the relatively short future right so yeah i i agree right. with all that and i think if you look at the history of the mountaineer athletic depart uh math mountaineer athletic director position it's not like it's something that turns over all the time so well i was gonna you know, say you that like think back to ed passed along 20 years he was ago there forever right. his, his yeah. biggest problem was should he sell beer in the stands or not like i mean that was right. probably his biggest dilemma right. Yeah. right exactly have beer sales or not. Yeah, you're right. And that's so what, so I think Guido hit it on the head. Like it's a position that you don't turn over a lot and it's a position that more so than it probably ever has, has more riding on the decisions that this person is going to make. So yeah, I Guido, I totally agree. Uh, it's, it's interesting. It's going to be an, I will say this, I'm excited to do the podcast for the next couple of weeks because it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. It really is. Well, there's going to be, there's rumors that'll be trickled out periodically so it'll keep us going for sure it would definitely, definitely keep us going wvu football uh continues to struggle though it's unfortunate that we lost this game we play our final game this saturday against oklahoma state on the road guys and uh right now i have to tell you a little surprised when i saw the initial odds that were released this oh weekend. i haven't seen the over under and stuff like that so i'm anxious to, to hear what you got right now oklahoma state only favored by six and a half right now less than a touchdown interesting to say the least the over under 51 and a half points guys i mean i don't expect to win this game i i think that this wvu team has given up i think everybody on the squad has given up except for maybe garrett green scooty well, yeah, I don't – it's not going to go well because we struggle with Oklahoma State regardless. We struggle with them at home. We struggle and we're going to definitely struggle with them in a way. They've got these guys that are along the front row that kind of remind me of uh, like the, the upper-class football players where they're beating paddles around the like to intimidate you yeah the paddle smackers they they hit like gym mats yes like, like they're paddles. just beating the yeah. pads with the, the right the paddles so that that is intimidating that would intimidate me a little bit but uh in all seriousness we for some whatever reason just do not either match up very well or um mike gundy um does his research against you know, in preparation for WVU. So I think he's going to be ready for us. Um, so it it's a concern. Um, and, and they're typically one of the stronger top tier teams in the Big 12. So uh, it's not looking great. It's looking like we could be four and eight, which would mean that I once again have predicted accurately. Johnson, WVU goes into this game. Oklahoma State loses last week to Oklahoma 13-28. to Tough loss for Oklahoma State. But with that said, they've had some great and solid wins this season. Uh, overall, they beat Texas 41-34 and they beat Texas Tech 41-31. I think that 
the the challenge for WV will, will be the fact that they're traveling, they're on the road, they're at T Boone Pickens Memorial Arena Stadium, whatever they call it. Um, it's you know, guns will be up, things will be happening. Um, I, I have a hard time seeing WVU, you know, even playing well in this game. Like I feel like this is one of those games where we're gonna score like thirteen or 17, but we're going to give up, you know, mid-40s. So I'm going to go into it saying Oklahoma State 43, WVU 13, finish off the season, finish off Neil Brown's career with a loss. Johnson, where are you thinking on this So game? a couple things. So you're saying, Guido, we, you and I, with a win, have the opportunity to call the season right at 5-7. and seven. Correct. Uh, with a loss, as Scoot mentioned, Scoot's always willing to be the first one to mention when he's right. So I'm coming in as a repeat here, but he would be correct at four and eight. Um, I just want to I just want to take a little bit of uh, notice here for the three of us. We did not drink the Kool Aid in the preseason. You know, when everyone was nine plus wins. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. We well, Jed Dr- no, it wasn't tried Jed to Dredd, stay. Was it Dwight Wallace, who said that there was still time for. Dwight Dwight Wallace the, at one point was like, "Well, nine wins is an upstable." Paid analyst every, was that way. Yes. Well, I think that was after Virginia Tech. He was excited. We were all right. excited. I was Scoot. not was like young. that. We were four. We were, we were like four that. games into the season. I'm not a paid analyst. I've been right. <laughs> I think we, you know, we're we're going to either be two thirds correct or one third correct. I think we're going to be one third correct. Um, so two things specifically here, Guido. Number one. Uh, we don't know how to football away from home. We don't know how to do it. Uh, if you like, you could say, Hey, the game's being (laughs) played at the, uh, at, at, at Ruby Memorial and Ruby Memorial hospital, just like right over there. And if you took the, the right. They're going to put a turf down in the blue lot. And we still get shellacked (laughs) because they're not on their home, their home (laughs) field. Right. So that number one, number two, we have now lost. Uh, let's see, going back to 2015, seven in a row to this Oklahoma State squad. Is that not cra- like that's crazy? Like I know that's I know Mike Gundy regularly has them in the top two or three teams of the conference. I know they're usually playing solid football, but isn't that that just feels crazy that you haven't gotten a win against this squad since 2014? Um, so I think take those two. You things. were back in short pants back then. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what to do with that, but okay. And I think that means a loss. So we all three picked this as a loss in the preseason. Correct. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to stay with that. I think Guido, the, the reason this is weird. So one final thing before I say my pick here, the reason this is really weird though, is you, you mentioned some Oklahoma state uh, results here lately after getting off to a really strong start, they get shellacked 48, nothing to Kansas state. They lose pretty significantly by more than two scores against Kansas. And then they lose to an Oklahoma team that we just beat. I see where you're right? going with this. So I like, see what's going on right. here, Johnson. Johnson I is see where trying going. to work I, on something here. And we, well, it's, we know what's going to make on it something. It's weird. I think, I think that's why this spread is less than a touchdown. You're trying to make the chicken uh, well, salad. I got you. On. You're trying to take what Aren't we got we and trying to make I it mean, into that's, chicken salad. I mean, we've been salad. fed chicken poo all season. I know what's going um, I think, on here. I think we go in to Oklahoma State <laughs> and 
we win to give me a five and seven correct prediction on the season. I think Casey leg gets right. I think Garrett green gets some scores. I think we finish out on a weird high note uh, just because Oklahoma state look against Oklahoma uh, is it Spencer Sanders? He has four interceptions. Like they're just not playing good ball. I think it's going to be pretty evenly matched Two two pretty bad defenses. I think Guido, I think we're going to win. Uh, I'm going to go WVU 27, Oklahoma state 24. That is ludicrous. Ooh, that, that is crazy. I I'm with Scooty in this one. I think that you've lost your mind. You have completely lost it. Scooty. Listen, WVU has won one game on the road this season in Blacksburg against a team that is terrible, right? One game on the road. Like you think we're gonna go into Stillwater Johnson and win Listen, a game? Like for, you're secondly, crazy. what would you do with yourself if we win this game and the new athletic director comes in and makes some sort of comment that you know we, we were kind of on the fence, but once we saw that fifth win, you saw that you finished out the season with a win. We decided that we were gonna continue to go forward with Neil and his staff, and you were the reason for bringing us Neil and his staff back next year. So I would hate to be you for predicting this. Like me, yes, person- I think like me would, personally, yes, I think you're putting the weight, uh, you're putting the weight of all of, of that on me because of my That's not fair. Also, also you said that Oklahoma state is going to score how many points? 24. Let me introduce you to our secondary. Um, we, <laughs> or what's left of it. We are not going to hold them to 20. Listen, if we're giving up uh, points like crazy to Kansas State. Now, granted, Kansas State is is probably a better team than Oklahoma State maybe right now. But listen, this could be the 50-pointer that, that Guido has been like trending towards here if things line up right for Oklahoma State. It's their senior day. It's an away game for us. Uh, there are no signs. Shoot, we don't know who's going to decide, you know what, I'm going to try to save myself to get a redshirt year. Uh, you don't know who's going to say, you know what, I'm going to not try to get hurt going into this final game because I want to play somewhere else next year. And almost like a bowl game, you may have some guys skipping out of the game to kind of preserve themselves to get recruited somewhere. I would else. just remind you, Scoot, that in their last four games, Oklahoma State is averaging just over twelve points a game. Again, they've not played us. They would be averaging more than that if they had played us in those last four games. Yes. That number would be way different. Johnson, can we talk about? Can we talk about Johnson? Johnson, can we talk about what teams are averaging against us right now? Can we just have that stat? It's like something like thirty-seven points right now. I think if you looked, uh, you talk about I mean, them so having uh, four games. I mean, you could take math. Like, listen, listen. I, I, I don't know. I'm not gonna. We're not gonna get into politics. You could take math and make it whatever you want to make it. Like, how many votes or whatever. We but had like, like four games where we gave up 400 yards offense <laughs> to the other team. Yeah. No. Look, I. I'm just saying 
I want to be right <laughs> in my pick. That's all. I have actually very little to no confidence in my pick. I just want to be right and you not be correct on your prediction for the season. Oh my goodness! So what's your pick for this game? Give us give us the score. Uh, I'm gonna say Oklahoma State's tick that they lost uh, Bedlam. Right, that's what they call that game. That's what they call it. They're going to be upset about that. They've got senior day. They've not lost to us in a coon's age. In a legitimate coon's age. <laughs> like seven years. A coon's age. Isn't it? A coon's age is pretty much yes. seven years, so right? Legitimate so legitimate coon's wow, age. That's... They've okay. not lost to us. All I right. say Oklahoma State 45, West Virginia 17. So you don't, you guys don't, so you guys don't think though they're going to break the 50. It'll line. be close. It's a, I mean, a turnover here or there could happen. Yes, I agree. It could happen. And listen, I don't know. We haven't heard anything about this, but uh, Garrett Green was kind of banged up a little bit there last game. He did get uh, hit pretty hard a couple times. So no, he definitely was. He looked like he was jacked. And I think uh, his throwing motion was a little weird toward the end of the game too. So I don't know if that's anything or not, but um, could be could be bad. It could be really bad. Could be really bad. I agree with you, Scooty. Well, we'll see what happens. WVU plays Oklahoma State in Stillwater at Boone Pickens Stadium on Saturday at noon. That's a noon kickoff Eastern Time. You can find it on ESPN two. ESPN two. We're on the second big network on saturday so check that out well don't you feel a little bit better guido to at least be playing on the deuce i feel like right these consecutive weeks of being stuck on espn plus it like two things number one i feel like they look at the schedule and there's like who's west virginia playing this week oh no one cares put them on the plus because when you're that bad it's like you get plussed i feel like you get plussed right you get then, plussed. Yeah. i've been trying to listen stream uh tony and just line it up with the video because the ESPN Plus announcers are the, bar none, the worst announcers that we have to deal with. I feel like ESPN needs to do a better job of prepping their announcers before the games because I feel like sometimes they're just lost. They, they, don't, they don't even understand what's happening. But it is nice. It is nice. I mean, at least we're finishing the season on a semi you know, network game. So we'll see Listen, what happens. This game, this this loss could be brought to you by your good friends at Tudors. Go down and get yourself a kneel. A kneel. Yes. A kneel. Three eggs. Three on eggs. A biscuit. They put them they put them on. We're gonna lay three, they, three, gonna lay three, three eggs, eggs on a biscuit. biscuit. Nothing else. There's nothing else. This is just gonna <laughs> they, lay three eggs on a biscuit. No cheese. Right. You, just get, you got no yes. cheese, you get no bacon. That's right. You lay three eggs on you get them biscuit. and you get three sh- eggs right on the that. chef lays them down That's consecutively. Right. One, two, three eggs in a row. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, listen, we should move on and talk a little bit about basketball. And I have to tell you, uh, I'm starting to get excited about this WVU basketball team. It really is interesting. WVU beat Moorhead State on Tuesday, 75-57. to 57. Game started off kind of slow, looked a little sluggish to begin, but got going. Then they played Penn on Friday and won 92-58 handily. Uh, granted, it's an Ivy League school, and you know those guys have 4.0 GPAs, and they don't focus on basketball that much. But at the end of the day, the team, though, Scooty is starting to feel like it's gelling. You're starting to see the same guys. You're starting to see less of that 
preseason rotation that we have been talking about the last couple of weeks, and you're starting to see a little bit more of a gel with some of these guys like Stevenson and and uh, Trey Mitchell, like starting to really step up. Yeah, we're seeing. Uh, I mean, I think the big three right now, of course, are going to be Stevenson, Mitchell, and Matthews, um, and then the other guys. Not to say that they're lesser, but they're more complementary, especially offensively. Now. Joe Toussaint's had a good night here or there. Some other guys are going to step up and you know and have good. Uh, Mo Wagi has had a good night here or there. So you're going to see some of that. Um, I think we're still waiting on on Tunk Tunka to get rolling. Uh, it's it's getting a little bit better. He's just got to finish. I think Huggins has been talking about how he needs to finish at the rim a little bit better. But um, I, I think it's a fun team, and I'm excited. Listen, I said this to you guys in text. When we play teams like Penn and Moorhead State and uh, some of these other mid-majors, we should curb stomp them. That's kind of what the expectation is. And when Huggins has had good teams, our good teams have been able to do that. There shouldn't be close calls against a a Mount St. Mary's or a, a, a Penn. So it's good. It's good. Now we're rolling into... I want to say the meat of our schedule, but it's about to get a lot tougher, a lot faster. It's about to get real. But I think that once we get Jose in the mix, now that he's on campus, listen, I am excited about that. There's four, four reliable players right there between Stevenson, Mitchell and Matthews. And then Perez, that's a solid four. You look at, you know, major college basketball. That's, that's a pretty impressive group right there. And then you have some complimentary players like uh, uh, Joe Tucson or Keedy Johnson or or Tunk and Mo Wagi. Like, I think that's not a bad little grouping right there. Well, Johnson, we're starting to see, you know, when you look at minutes, when you look at playing time in these last couple of games, you're starting to see, I mean, obviously Emmett Matthews is playing a lot, right? He's the leader out there. He's playing a lot. But you're starting to see Toussaint off the bench getting a lot of minutes. You know, Trey Mitchell starting to get more and more minutes. Uh, I think where they're kind of struggling right now is in the block. Like, uh, you know, you're seeing Mo get some minutes. You're seeing um, Jimmy Bell. You're seeing Oconquo. Like, all kind of starting to trade some time down there. I think that's where Huggins is struggling right now. But I think when you start to look at the guard position, I, I really start. I'm starting to think you, you're starting to see Trey Mitchell. You're starting to see Toussaint. You're starting to see Steven, Stevenson. You're starting to see those guys kind of jump out and take those those roles well, on. Well, and didn't you feel like for a, a period of time in this pen game that you sort of died and went to basketball heaven when we're shooting? I mean, look, we finished this game, Guido. Overall, 56% from the field, 52% from three. What? We made 12 threes. Eric Stevenson at one point could have like done the old D Brown, put your elbow, you know, put your forearm over your eyes and throw it <laughs> at the basket. Everything was going in. That That's fun. I mean, when they're making shots, that was super fun. Now, Scoot, like, you know, like Scoot said, you're playing Penn. I know they're kind of a mid, probably not even really a, a, a mid major, but I mean, still, you just dominated. They look like they were having fun. And I think it actually, I'm one that always complains about like, Hey, you don't have to play 14 people. I think 14 people scored in this game. Um, But I think 
in fairness to Hugs, he got to sort of exercise the bench a little bit. I mean, James Aconquo, I think, had 15 minutes in this game. So, yeah, I mean, it was super fun, and and I love, I just, I love to see the shooting percentages. I hope that, I hope that stays stays up there. Scooty, I want to talk to you a little bit, a little bit about Eric Stevenson. I know you're a guy. I mean, again, I I know if I know anybody, I know Scooty, and I know Scooty likes action and he likes fun. He likes good shooting. He, he you know, I think. You know, I'm starting to look at Eric Stevenson like we wanted what we wanted out of Sean McNeil, right? I think the difference is, is I think sometimes Eric Stevenson is a little bit, at least at this point in the season, I know it's early. And like you said, Johnson, we're playing the, the, you know, Mount St. Mary's of the world right now. But Eric Stevenson seems to be taking better shots than Sean McNeil was taking. And that's where I'm starting to get excited because I think that if you have a guy that can shoot like one of those guys, like that's not nothing on Sean McNeil. He was a shooter, right? He could hit a shot. Sometimes his shot selection was bad. I think Eric Stevenson is like the step up. Scoot, you all, you also like a guy that talks a little smack. I do. You know me. I do. Uh, Eric Stevenson for me creates his shot a little. It comes, it comes a little easier for him to create a shot than it did for Sean McNeil. Um, Whether it be, I don't know if it's, Quickness, because I don't think that Sean McNeil is necessarily slow, but he's definitely, I think Eric Stevenson's quicker. Eric Stevenson's probably a little bit taller. He's got a little bit more bite to his game. He's got a little bit more edge to him in personality than than Sean McNeil did. Um, what's interesting to me, and I was going to point out, is so we were talking about how maybe the issue could be or could take us a little bit longer to settle this low block inside presence. And I wonder if we're seeing um, maybe a little bit of the fallout of losing a guy like Eric Martin as a coach who was primarily the coach of the bigs Mm -hmm. in the last 15 years. And we're seeing um, some better results from wing-type players. Like Al Ruoff? Which is kind of what Alex Ruoff plays or played. So I'm wondering if we're seeing a little bit of that transition from – Okay, listen, well, we've got this guy here who's done this professionally, did this in this Coliseum, and I, I think that that carries a lot of weight where guys are going to kind of, all right, I'm going to listen to Not to say that, you know, uh, the bigs aren't listening to to Josh Eilert or they're not listening to Ron Everhart or whatever, but Alex Ruoff is fairly current. He can still ball. He's helping out the managers. You know, they he, he teamed up with the managers and they beat up on uh, – uh, and I think it was uh, Moorhead State's managers, which is not fair. <laughs> Scoot, it may, when I saw that photo, I I start in the back of my head. I was singing, "One of these things is not like, like the other. One of these things <laughs> listen, is not the same." Listen, if you are one of the WVU managers and you're getting ready for this managers versus managers game, and you're walking out there with uh, you know your your five. And you've got this other guy who's over on the on the bench, kind of back turned toward the the court to lacing up his shoes. And then you know maybe the game starts, and then uh, he goes to check in, and it's freaking Alex Ruoff, former professional, you know European professional and <laughs> WVU's all time leader in three point baskets made. Like you gotta be thinking, what? How's this guy? What is this? Where did this guy come from? But guys, let's 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 talk a little bit about though the bigs though because I think that's where the concern is right now. And when you get into conference play or when you start playing teams like we're going to play this week against Purdue and the Gonzagas and the Dukes of the world, 
I think uh, rebounding starts to become the issue, right? And so, like, even in this Penn game, I mean, we got out rebound 38 to 29. Now, granted, your argument could be, well, Penn had 19 offensive rebounds and we had six because all of our shots were dropping. But I think that's where I start to worry about this team is like, uh, you know, you've seen Jimmy Bell out there rebounding. I think he leads the team right now. I think second on the team is Trey Mitchell, which is not really what you want. I mean, I get it. Like, he's the big guard, but, like, you really don't want Trey Mitchell, the guy underneath, getting all your rebounds. And, and again, this is where I start to worry about this team because this is where we fell short last year, right? Like, last year the problem was is we, we played all these no-name teams the first whatever 13 games and we looked we were like oh look how good our we're scoring we're winning now granted we didn't win by what we're winning now but we were winning games uh, but we weren't rebounding but we could score we could outscore these teams when you start to play the kansases the oklahoma states the the you know the k-states of the world you got to be able to rebound to win games yeah guido i would say let's revisit that exact conversation in a week from now like on next show because i think you ought to you ought to be able to get either you're going to be like oh geez or you're going to be pleasantly surprised after one or two or three hopefully games in this phil knight legacy tournament that we're heading into i mean i would think we're up against purdue next we ought to learn quite a bit now i personally skewed i think mo Wagi, uh i i love his game i think he's got a a motor um and i think Jimmy Bell just seems really rough right now, but the efforts there. So I think, you know, he's, he's going to be active around the board. And I think Trey Mitchell from, you know, that, that other kind of swing spot with, with, uh, with Emmett Matthews, I don't, I don't really expect them to be glass eaters. I think Trey Mitchell's size is going to allow him to get some more rebounds, but you know, I keep forgetting and hugs kind of keeps reminding people in post-game press conferences the guy's really only been playing for like a month and a half out of a boot. So like, he's probably still, you know, kind of getting his basketball fitness back to him anyway. So I, I'm not really concerned about that right now. Talk to me on next show, Guido. I think when we see, Hey, now we've played some, some stiff competition. How did that work out? I wonder, speaking of Trey Mitchell, I wonder if he's going to end up being kind of what we hoped we were getting with Issa Ahmad. Right, I, I think he's a little bit thinner than Issa Ahmad, but I wonder if he's going to produce like what we thought we might see out of Issa, and we never really did. Um, so I'm I'm curious to see what Trey Mitchell becomes because I think uh, he's an exciting player. He feels like you know if you look at last year's transfers that we brought in last year, it never felt like we had a guy like a Trey Mitchell or even an Emmett an Emmett Matthews. It felt like we had a bunch of guys that were like just looking to catch on somewhere else. Right. This feels like we got legit talent back. Yeah, I would agree with that. But also, I mean, just one last thing on rebounding Guido. I think it was, I don't really know why. I think this game was a bit weird because you played some extended people at the end of the bench in this game that maybe didn't gobble up some rebounds. But this pen game is really the first game where you have, you know, we haven't, now we haven't out rebounded the other team. I think we may have tied for rebounds against Moorhead State, but we, this game just felt weird. I think, um, I think, thank goodness you were shooting at such a high percentage. It didn't, it didn't play a factor. But I think it's a valid point. And like, so like I said, after Purdue, after some of these other games, it'll be interesting to see what the box score looks like rebounding wise. So WVU jumps on a plane. They fly all the way across country five hours to Portland, Oregon, and they play in the Phil Knight Legacy 
classic invitational extravaganza preseason exhibition series. You do like a classic. I do like a classic. I like a classic. Even if it's not a classic, I know you like it to be a classic. I make it a classic. You're going to have to set your alarm clocks, folks, because this is this is an interesting. This is interesting. So we play Thursday or we play first so Thursday, Friday, Sunday. We're playing every day. So you got a game Thursday, you got a game Friday, you got a game Sunday. Times might be a little rough. So Thursday, we play 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. Eastern time. We tip off. We play the Boilermakers of Purdue. Then after that is where it starts to get hairy. So winner, loser, uh, we may either – we're in the bracket. So if you look at it, if you haven't seen yet, there's brackets. Uh, we're in the bracket with Gonzaga and Portland State. So we will – you know, winners, losers play each other from there. Uh, so you're either playing from there a 9 o'clock game or – or an eleven o'clock Eastern time tip off. That's PM, folks. That's not that's not eleven o'clock AM. That's that's a PM tip off right there. Um, and then Sunday's up in the air from there. So, you know, you got a game Thursday, Friday, Sunday for WVU to watch. Either way, you know, you're going to play some teams in there because, you know, even if you play uh, a Portland State, Portland State's probably the one sort of lowest ranked team in there i mean outside of that you're playing oregon states in there duke florida state xavier they're all in there uh so we might see that and the funny thing is is then we play xavier the next week uh in december we go to cincinnati and play xavier so there's a lot of basketball coming up we'll see what happens this will be the test we've been waiting for this will be you know we will see a lot of what this team will be based on who they play and how they play this weekend in the Phil Knight Legacy Classic. Uh, so it'll be interesting to watch. WVU plays Saturday in football. That That's still happening, by the way, guys, in case you're wondering. Football's still a thing. Last game of the season against Oklahoma State. They travel to Stillwater to Boone Pickens Stadium. That game is a noon kickoff on ESPN2, so you can watch that. And don't forget, Find us online. You can check us out. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Got Your Ears. You can also find us on our website, GotYourEarsOn.com. Johnson, everything that we have spewed from our mouths this weekend will be on that website. We catch it all in a net, a text net. We merge it with links that you may want to click on. Click on them. You'll find interesting tidbits, uh, probably that we didn't even talk about. Uh, we'll post it on the website. We'll post the tune-in link right on the front page. You can click on that and listen to it right in the brow. This show right in the browser. You can also click through to the merch store and check out some GYEO merch. Guido, I don't know. Do you have a special someone in your life that you are going to need to buy a Christmas gift for, and they listen to GYEO on the reg? Uh, maybe pick them up. You know, one of Scoot's favorite uh, fanny packs. You know, that's a personal personal favorite of his. There's stuff for everybody there. Or you can get our hot-selling pullover guy t-shirts, you know, because we're all pullover guys. So uh, definitely check that out, gotyourearson.com. And listen, there's a lot happening with us. A lot of news coming up. A lot of things happening during basketball season. Uh, some new things that are going to be coming from uh, the Got Your Ears On crew, Johnson, here in the next uh, couple couple of weeks are you thinking are you alluding to maybe people should i don't know like like and subscribe is that what you're thinking they should they like should and do? subscribe I, spam hearts in the chat they could they could put hearts in the chat 
They could spam some hearts in the chat. They could uh, go on to the YouTubes. We have a YouTube channel. YouTubes, we Maybe do some have things one. will be happening there. Maybe who on knows? The YouTubes. You may want to watch. I mean, everybody's that. been. I've got a face for YouTube. They've been begging to see Scooty's face. Right. They've been begging for it. Um. So definitely like, follow. You know, tell your friends. Big things are happening with the gut years on boys. And uh, listen, thanks for thanks for checking us out, and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next week with another show. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Got Your Ears On. Got your own.